Hello, and welcome to That's Not Spit, It's Condensation. Hello, everybody, and welcome to That's Not Spit, It's Condensation. I'm Ryan Beach, and on today's episode, we have another installment of Winning the Job. This episode features Jeremias Sergiani Velazquez. I had to ask him how to pronounce his name so I wouldn't do it incorrectly. Jeremias recently won the principal second violin position with the Metropolitan Opera Orchestra. Personally, I am moved beyond words by the amount of providence needed to make this interview happen. I feel it's important to tell the story of how my methodology of practice organization helped Jeremias to be successful in his audition. The story would have to start about 10 years ago when I first went to Tanglewood as a summer fellow. I developed a good relationship with the trumpet players in the Boston Symphony, so even though I didn't speak with them regularly, we always have been on great terms. A number of years later in 2017, my wife Kathleen and I got married. But you all knew that. In 2018, I started this podcast and hoped to bring you all quality content and thought-provoking conversation. In the summer of 2019, our family traveled to Chicago so Kathleen and I could participate in the ensemble that Dr. Mallory Thompson put together for the 50th anniversary of the formation of the Symphonic Wind Ensemble at Northwestern University. That was a very, very long sentence. At that event, I reconnected with Michael Martin, one of the members of the Boston Symphony, but you all knew that too. I asked Mike if he would be interested in doing a podcast interview together if I could visit Boston, and I wondered if he thought the rest of the section would be interested as well. Well, he thought it would be a cool idea, and he even suggested that if I could make it to Tanglewood, we could do it there. Well, every summer, Kathleen would take the kids to visit her mom and stepdad in Twin Mountain, New Hampshire. Now that I was a part of the family, I went on this trip as well. Twin Mountain is only a few hours from Lenox, Massachusetts, where the Tanglewood grounds are, so I thought it must be fate and was able to schedule the interviews you've all heard on the podcast so far. The biggest problem I needed to address in this trip was finding a place to stay. I contacted my friend and Tanglewood fellow that year, Tetsuya Lawson, who I met when I visited Rice University for my interview with Barbara Butler, and I asked him if he had any space for me, but he didn't. He did inform me, however, that our mutual friend, Michael Harper, whom I went to school with and also was able to do a podcast interview with, was staying in a house and might have some room. I contacted Michael, and he agreed to house me for a few days. Well, Michael is dating a violist named Leah Ferguson. I had the opportunity to hang out with both of them. And during one particular conversation, I started talking about these ideas I was working on, about how to organize practice like a workout routine. Leah seemed quite interested, so I wrote her a program to follow for some auditions that she had coming up. And through using it, she found a lot of success in the auditions she took. The methodology was so helpful and so interesting to her that she ended up sharing the information with her good friend, a violinist named Jeremias Sergiani Velazquez. 
Jeremias adopted the methodology and went on to be successful in his audition with the Metropolitan Opera Orchestra. <laughs> I know that story was quite lengthy, but I hope or I would like to think you're as blown away as I am. The work we do, the way our life pans out, we never know who will influence us or who we might be able to influence. By maintaining great relationships and being open to new ideas and opportunity, I was able to develop a method that ultimately helped another musician find some success in their life. It's a real-life, tangible example of a dream within a dream. Inception. Anyway, this interview is amazing. Of course, Jeremias is able to outline the way he approached his practice, but we also talked about some of the mental hurdles to overcome and much, much more. This interview began with me asking, what did you do to prepare the excerpts for your audition? So I, I like to always prepare with a principle that I, I like to call it just never make a mistake which kind of sounds a little extreme, but basically what I mean is slow down every every excerpt as slow as it has to be in order to play it perfect or as close to perfect as you can. Your method of practicing actually was super helpful with systematizing this slow type of practicing. So what I did was I, so I had 19 excerpts and they were, first of all, they were all new excerpts because I never auditioned for an opera orchestra before. So there were 19 excerpts, out of which most of them were new. So I, I divided them into three. Um, so seven, six, and six. And what I, put, what I did was, first of all, find the recordings, which takes quite a bit because operas are like four hours long. Um, then I, I tried to find how slow do I need to play it in order to get it perfectly. So just to give you an example, there was this difficult ones, um, Wagner Siegfried. It was um, written in quarter note equal 114. And I played it in quarter note equal 30. <laughs> um, so it was like 25% of the, of the tempo. And then there's another one, half note 68, and I did half note 15. <laughs> um, so, it was, so it was a little, a little extreme. Uh, but that's as far as I had to go in order to, you know, just get it perfectly. But I wasn't only looking for rhythm intonation and stuff like that. I was trying to be as musical as I can be at the tempo. Um, because I was playing it so slowly, perhaps I didn't need to be so, you know, worried about playing the, the right note and, you know, not messing up. But I could perhaps kind of start thinking from day one about the musical phrases and stuff like that. Uh, so I, I kind of used this system and I did this every day for, you know, about two hours. So at first, because I was slowing the excerpts so much, it took me to play six excerpts. It took me almost an hour. So I would do play them through six excerpts, one after the other one twice. And then the next day I would do other six excerpts. The following day I would do seven excerpts. So, and, and slowly I started to increase the tempo, uh, the metronome uh, in order to, once I became a little more comfortable, but going very slowly with the metronome, like from 30 to 33 one day, then to 35, stuff like that, very, very mm -hmm. slowly. Um, towards the end, I 
mostly did this type of playing through kind of practicing. It wasn't until the end sort of that I started, there were some passages that was like, okay, this needs more um, magnifying glass type of attention. So I kind of drilled certain certain passages that needed work. Um, and because I've done it so many times, I, I had very clear in my mind which things didn't feel 100% comfortable in my hands. So the objective for me was to feel completely comfortable for everything. Um, and so I drilled these passages and and very quickly my brain was able to kind of assimilate it. But it was thanks to the, the fact of being able to, of playing every day excerpts through, which was something that I haven't really done before. Yeah, it's an interesting difference that I've noticed too while doing this kind of prep is that uh, my sort of approach to it in terms of how to run through and how to isolate is just that I'm even hoping not to have to isolate because the stuff is so slow in the beginning, uh, depending on the repertoire, it's so slow in the beginning that you're kind of able to even think and work through the problems in the middle of playing whole uh, sections or whole excerpts. And so, yeah, then I think when you have these little tiny isolation spots at the end, it's easier because you've already done it. You already know what to do. You're just reminding yourself um, of things that just aren't quite ingrained. Right. And you've played it uh, like correctly every time, but perhaps you're unable to get it to the tempo that you want um, because of, you know, some, I don't want to say things that we're not weaknesses in certain technique, very specific technique things, you know, we, you know, we're, we're really good at certain things and perhaps not so good at others. And some other things need a little more work and that's, that's perfectly normal. So yeah, those ones perhaps need some, some drilling, but um, that wasn't part of the everyday practice for sure. Uh, before you were successful in the, this audition, you were in Pittsburgh symphony. So obviously you had been successful without this kind of method. And I'm just curious, um, what made you want to try something different, try something that's like this? Uh, what do you feel that you, after you had done it, do you feel that you wish you had sort of, quote, known about it before, even though that's not possible, obviously? Mm -hmm. Kind of what's your relationship with looking backwards and seeing what things could have been different? And then even moving forwards, has it changed your practice since this audition and ways that you've approached music uh, now? So in the past, although I have had some success in the in auditions, I don't think my use of time was super efficient, especially when, when I was at school, I think I had a little more time to, to just like, and play for a teacher every week, you know, and, and I was just like, practice, practice, practice. And then, you know, of course the result is going to be pretty good or pretty close to my, my personal best, but it, it just used up a lot of resources, mental resources, time. Um, it perhaps, I think it wasn't the most productive and I knew, but I don't think it was quite, I didn't quite know what to do. So what I, what I would do was kind of look at what was the hardest excerpt or the hardest thing that I, that I were most challenging, uh, things and kind of work on that most, the most. The ones that were easy, I wouldn't work on them as much. Um, perhaps the, those ones were the day of the audition that then I might feel insecure because I didn't, you know, play them that much. Also, I didn't quite play things through from day one. I, I would do that much later in the process. 
and I will start with kind of more fragmented type of uh, vision and then towards the end um, closer to the audition date I will try to start playing things through um, this way the difference was as I said that I from day one I was playing uh, from beginning to end the excerpts in the best possible way which meant uh, slowly and that really used my used my time much more efficiently so I I would probably practice two two and a half hours of these things five days a week that for a, for a string player is not that much because I I know for brass players you, you guys can't physically play for that right. many hours right, so you guys yeah. have to be <laughs> extremely efficient with your practicing so I think because we can play for many more hours perhaps we can get away with just you know some like mindless practicing which is not really getting away because it makes things worse sure. um so i so once i was at pittsburgh i so i had a job and i had to practice for that and I had uh, things coming up and and this was but this particular audition at, at the met was right after a tour that we had uh, a european tour we had in in with Pittsburgh, and I was not able to practice during the tour. I, um, I made a super detailed plan of where, when to practice with itinerary hour by the hour. Like, we arrive in this city, and I'm gonna have like five hours off, so I'll use three hours to practice. I didn't do any of that. <laughs> Only one day in the Paris, in the day off, I tried to practice at the beginning in the morning after breakfast. And then I was like, I'm, I don't know when I'm going to be back in Paris. I just went to to the museum and to walk around. I just didn't practice. I couldn't. So at the, at the end of the of the tour, was um, I haven't even begun practicing for the audition. And I, once I, we came back to Pittsburgh, I only had uh, four, five weeks until the, the audition. So I really had to be efficient. So I I started doing this this thing where, where I that I just described, two, three hours a day, five times a week, uh, where every time I play, it had to be perfect. But the only way was to put the excerpt that was 120 to put it in 30. Yeah, uh, right. So I made sure that every time I played, it was perfect. So then, you know, when the audition came, it, it was as, as good as I could play it. So how do you think, has it changed the way you approach practice after the audition? Do you think about learning music or just generally practicing it differently now um, as a result? Yeah, actually I'm trying, so now during this quarantine, I'm actually experimenting with some ways of practicing and I'm, I'm trying to, it's hard to experiment on oneself because it's hard to, know what worked and why it worked but i i've been trying to learn let's say i'm trying to learn these four new pieces just for my own pleasure and i i would uh do this technique routine that i always do every day and afterwards i would play them very slowly because they're they're kind of like little violin concert pieces that they're very virtuosic but they're very short and I will play them from beginning to end as musically as I can, uh, very slowly without trying not to make a single mistake, but not worrying about the mistake, but just playing it as slowly as it has to be in order to play it perfectly. So I will play them uh, beginning to end, one after the other, these four pieces. Um, then I will play them again and then again 
and then I, I, I stopped practicing and then I come back the following day and yeah, I've only been doing this for a few days actually, so mm. I, I will see, but um, oh, for, a, for like a week, but it's already feels like um, I feel much more comfortable with, with any passage and I haven't yet even done any kind of drilling on any technical passage, but I think it kind of changes how I see how how I practice and approach certain things. Um, yeah, it's kind of like hacking my own brain. Like I know better now how how it works and and how to take advantage of time and not to waste too much time practicing. You know? Yeah, I interviewed my graduate teacher, Barbara Butler, who teaches at Rice University now. And she said something in that interview to the extent of every time you take an audition and you do it right, you level up basically. So you are at level 16. If you do it right, you can move to level 17, but then you don't go back down. So you're just permanently better. And that's one thing I like. I would love for your thoughts on this. That's one thing I like about this kind of structure is that you can really tailor it to meet you where you're at and then ideally just continue progressing within the structure so you really feel like you're building something long-term that will last rather than just trying to sound good at an audition. Exactly. Yeah, that's a very, very good way to put it because the only way that practicing can make you worse is that when you practice, you make mistake after mistake and then you're not able to fix it and then you try to play it again and make another mistake. That actually makes you worse because you are reinforcing the mistake but it is true that if you if you play it perfectly, no matter how slow it is, um, you are you are reinforcing. I, I read somewhere um, in some podcast I might have heard some, someone was talking about the um, uh, neuroplasticity, and they were talking about how the the brain is kind of like like a, a snow mountain, and that every time you do something, it's kind of like you are uh, skiing through it, and you're living kind of a path. And if it's a good thing or a, you know or a bad habit or whatever it is, it is it is a, a path that you're living. And the more you do it, the deeper it is. And I think it's exactly the same with practicing. If you do the wrong thing, you're gonna. It's not impossible to you know unlearn things, but it takes time. The more time, like if you've done it a lot, but it's the same if you've done things correctly. If you played uh, a certain you know piece uh, correctly many times, it, it's. Um, you created a habit. It's it's very. You make it much harder for yourself to to mess it up later on if you play it right uh, time and time again. So, what did this kind of preparation do for your uh, headspace during the audition? Or if this uh, preparation wasn't sufficient, what other kinds of thoughts, meditations, you know, what, whatever it may be, did you do or think? to allow yourself to be as calm, as relaxed, as focused as possible in the audition mentally? The fact that I wasn't practicing like 10 hours a day for, for the audition really, really helped me because I think it's just not not healthy to, to practice all day. Um, also, you psych yourself so much about it. So I, I try to, to be very, um, you know, obviously consistent with the practice, but but also when I when I thought of, of the audition, I mean, it's more, I guess, psychological thing. When I thought of the audition, I tried to think of it um, as, you know, if it doesn't work out, life goes on, um, I'll still be able to 
to breathe. It's not that, you know, <laughs> what's the worst that can happen? Like, if I don't apply, I won't get it for sure. Like, for sure. So if, but if I do apply, I might get it or I might not. So there is a slight chance. So statistically, it just made sense to to apply to it, um, to the audition. But and I think it's just helpful to not make too big of a deal and kind of put it in perspective. At the end of the day, just music. Yeah, of course, it's a great job that, if, that you really want. But, you know, life goes on. It's, it's okay. You'll, you'll still be you and you, you know, it's going to be fine, <laughs> whatever happens. reminding me just of this idea that uh, I think true growth happens when we just invest in the process of learning. And instead of saying the work is worth it if I win the job, to say that the work is worth it because I I can grow, I can get better, I can learn things, and I should continue to do so. And then an audition just becomes a way to demonstrate it. And if it works out, cool. And I think if you do that over the long term, it will work out for you eventually, you know, but I think trying to force and control the work and say, I have to do this, I have to win this, not only puts you in a bad mental space, but it's going to be hard to do it long term, you know, to mm -hmm. be able to come back time and time again and feel like it's going to be worth it if you're not winning these auditions. Yeah, when when I put something in such like, feel like it's like such high stakes, I, you know, it feels like you want to, you know, control it and you want it to be yours and you want it to control it. So going back to like the the audition mental mental aspect, I will find myself trying to to kind of micromanage how like the meal that I how what did I eat that morning, like how many hours I slept and what time did I go to bed and I I, I just try to kind of like just let it go, you know. I, um, all I have to do is go on stage and enjoy the what I'm doing at in the audition room. Um, the, everything else, always something's gonna happen. There's always gonna be a, a flight delay, or, a, or it's gonna be raining or something. It's always something will happen. Like it's never gonna be in in, in your control. So just 
try to to enjoy it and enjoy the, the moment that you're performing yeah yeah i think it's a very different way to think about it to possibly shift our mindset from this is terrifying because people are judging me to I've done the work. I'm prepared. Let me enjoy being able to demonstrate and possibly view it as a performance. That's how it was always recommended to me that you're in effect performing for this committee. And if you feel confident and comfortable that you would be able to perform for them and then they would say, this is great. And to be able to almost have fun during an audition is such a foreign thing for so many people. I feel like. Right. I think that, yeah, sometimes, uh, we get so much in, inside our own heads and I find the most helpful thing is to, um, I mean, we always know that, yeah, you have to feel like it's a performance, but I, I, sometimes I wasn't able to quite achieve it in the audition, but I could achieve it, you know, in, in less, in lower pressure situations. But I realized that, that I can practice anything. I can also practice feeling like a performance. So, so mock auditions are important. Also when, when I practice trying to being as musical and as present in the time, um, as, as present in the moment. Um, personally, sometimes when I, when, if I get very nervous, my, my mind can wander. So I found it very useful that when I practice slowly or anything to not think of judging my own playing, um, but while I'm, I'm playing just to uh, hear super attentively and, and feeling the, the fingerboard and the bow with the utmost uh, focus, um, but, but without judging, like judging comes after or, or before, maybe I should analyze, but while I'm playing, make sure I'm in the moment because if you practice judging while you play, I think then that's all you know. Then when you're in the audition, you're also going to be judging yourself. And you're like, why am I not feeling this like it's a performance? Well, you practiced it like it wasn't a performance. So, so if, I, if I practice it that way, I think then it works better. Um, at the end of the day, the, the committee, you know, or the, the panel wants to like you, you know, they, they want to hire the, the person they like. And I, I find it... Um, I, I find it quite uh, kind of liberating when I'm able to think they want to hire me, like they want to hire someone and they want to like me. So I'll just make music. Like, what's the point? <laughs> what's the point of, of, of putting pressure on myself? All they want is just to enjoy and it's just music. It's not brain surgery or something. So <laughs> it's just, just to, um, you know, just enjoy the moment. And I think that was something that uh, practicing in this way kind of, uh, uh, helped me in in the past. I I was able to sometimes every now and then I would feel very comfortable in the audition, and those obviously would be the most successful ones. Um, but this one, I think the way I prepared, I felt so comfortable and confident that um, that every round um, I felt super comfortable, and it was kind of I was kind of surprised that how comfortable I felt. I was like, oh wow, I. And that made me even more comfortable because I was like, why am I feeling so, so, you know, so, so good about this? It's an audition, but I felt I was um, able to, to feel confident enough and, and, you know, being able to, to really make music and, 
and I was I remember thinking after the final I, I felt happy you know it wasn't a perfect round but I I felt happy with how I play I thought I, I showed you know my best self and and I enjoyed it a lot actually and I remember thinking you know if it would be nice if they hire me but if they don't it's it's okay I mean it's it's really okay like I really I, I showed my best self for sure so you know luckily it worked out but I remember thinking I'm I'm 100% sure I'll be still happy because I I had such a good time. It's not that I, I felt comfortable in, in this audition. I, had a gr I actually had a great time. I know it sounds kind of impossible, but it's not impossible <laughs> to have a great time in an audition. Um, also, like I just couldn't believe that I was having a good time. So I, I just felt kind of, kind of proud of myself to feel like having a good time. I was like, great, like, you know, I'm having a great time. I'm enjoying it. So anyway, I, I, I enjoyed the, the process, actually. I. It was, it was obviously it's never racking before. You go and you're waiting and you hear the other person. Yeah, that, you know, just there's nothing you can do about it. But when when you go in, I was, I was like, man, I just have to, they, they want to like the music. They love music. Uh, I'm sure they, they love everything about music. So, you know, just got to try to show my, my best self and just ins inspire them, hopefully. Um, that's all I can do, you know. Yeah, that's so cool. I, I don't. I've interviewed a lot of people about winning auditions and stuff like that, and um, I think you're among the first that said I had a good time at the audition. <laughs> I enjoyed myself yeah, at, at the at the stage, not before. Like waiting sucks. Um, yeah. Or so in this particular audition, we they took our phones away. So and I had to wait for like three hours. So I had no notion of time when it was going to be my turn. And actually, I remember that in one of the group rooms, there was a microwave. So I would go every now and then and check the time because I, mm. I made like a mental regulation. Okay, I have to, I'm number eight. I'm playing at you know 10.30 a.m. So, so it was like 8 a.m. So I had to go every now and then. And, and I tried to not practice. And I hear everybody practice. And I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't think it should. It just, for me... I think everybody's different for this, but for me, less is more um, on the day of the audition. Like I almost didn't practice. I just warm up before going in, but I pretty much did not. I was not practicing. I was reading a book. That's it. I have two more questions that I would love to get your thoughts on. Uh, you, you mentioned earlier about uh, if you can practice, you know, like bow technique or vibrato or articulation and stuff like that, you can also be practicing what your mindset is and what you're thinking and feeling like it's a performance. Uh, I find one of the most difficult parts of performing music at a high level is just being able to focus at a high level, you know, just being able to stay in it and focus. And I find that especially the really slow tempo work, but just this kind of process in general of constantly ingraining what you want is really effective in building your capacity to focus. Do you find that was a similar thing for you? Absolutely. I think that's kind of like a different way of, of putting it, but I absolutely agree that um, the as, as I was saying before, like kind of a way that I was practicing in the past was kind of uh, fragmenting it. So that was that was maybe good for my technique in the moment, but it wasn't great for my for practicing focus, which was something I was neglecting until, you know, a week before. Um, this way I 
I decided to start practicing on, on playing it through, which basically means practicing focus, because if I can spend, you know, play six excerpts through in 25% of the tempo, and which takes me 45 minutes, and really trying to be present in the moment, that's the best I think you can do for focus, because then when you have a 12-minute audition, it's a piece of cake to to remain in there. Actually, that's a good point, now that you, you mentioned that I think that's something that really allowed me to feel comfortable, because so, they're so short, and it says 12 minutes, and one always has the, the thought, oh, I have to play so great in only, you know, or less, even five minutes or whatever. But but actually, maybe it's it's kind of easy if you if you practice being super focused for 50 minutes or so, playing it slowly, then you have to play in first round, six minutes. It's easy. It's just it's so short. You can remain focused for six minutes. Yeah, um, yeah that's, a, that's a very good point, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. I, I kind of hadn't even thought about it, that you're sort of like training it way past what you need so that mm. when the the thing comes around, you're, yeah, you're really trained for it. Um, obviously, what we're talking about, this sort of methodology is just different. I don't think it's weird and I think it's very logical, but it's very different from how like you've described that you've prepared before, that I've prepared before. Um, I know people that are sometimes hesitant to try something new that could be great because they have something that is almost working or works mm-hmm. really well, but it isn't quite there. Uh, what kind of advice do you have for somebody who uh, is right there and they're almost accomplishing it, but possibly trying something new like this could be the thing that would send them over the edge? Mm-hmm. What kind of advice do you have for being willing to try new things and and, and doing that? Yeah, I think I, w- I think what I would say is that every I think every single person's and everyone's brain responds to good quality repetition, and the only way to achieve that is to play perfectly as many times as you can, basically. And that means you know playing a a piece through uh, because that means you you are also practicing um, uh, focus and stuff like that. But I, I would say that. It is very brain friendly, and it also takes up a, takes out a lot of pressure because uh, it, it creates kind of a structure to to a way of practicing and to preparing. Um, yeah, and, and also trying new things. I think for us is it kind of um, I don't know how to describe it. it. It makes us more attentive. So even if if it's I mean I can't see how it wouldn't work because. It, um, but if it even if it didn't, I think it would still kind of work because it's kind of novel for our brain, and I think it's very healthy to even to switch things up. Um, if you practice always the same piece over and over again, then you start to get worse at some point. I mean, I think you need to update things at some point and yeah. every now and then. That's really interesting. I I like that. Even if it doesn't work, you're still getting like the information of this new thing that could help you build something that will work. Right, right, absolutely. And everybody is different, you know, um, but um, I think the, and everybody's instrument, you know, is is, is, is different, but uh, the principle of, of trying to play, to do high quality repetition, I mean, it's, it's what, um, that's even, you know, I just, my girlfriend and I, during quarantine, we just got a puppy, and we've been reading a lot 
about like training and stuff like that. And we are no different than that when we <laughs> learn our instruments. Like uh, it's like, apparently it's very important important to you know do high quality rep when you're learning like healing. Like you want them to walk next to you. It's very important that. Uh, you only do for like two minutes at a time because if they are a little tired or or if they are like um, not doing it correctly, then you're reinforcing the wrong thing. Um, and then it's going to be really hard. So it's better to do, you know, two minutes here, two minutes there, two minutes there, and that's it. Otherwise, it's, the, it's, the only, it's really the only way because otherwise you are reinforcing errors. And it's exactly the same for us. You, you want to uh, do high quality repetitions, uh, and in order to do that, you have to do it slowly in our case. Um, and because focus is such an important time uh, aspect of performing, um, playing them back to back uh, slowly, as slowly as you have to in order to per perfectly, I think is crucial. Yeah. yeah, I totally agree. I think that's very well said. Um, I really appreciate your time. If people want to get in touch with you or they want to see what you're up to or anything like that, is there are there places that they can find you? Um, I have a website that and I have it has I think has my email there, maybe that's the easiest. Or it's um jeremiasviolin.com. Jeremias is like Jeremiah's like my name, but in Spanish we say Jeremias. Um Jeremiasviolin.com. Um yeah, I have a YouTube channel but I don't I don't quite post too much in it. Uh, my my girlfriend is kind of a flute uh, celebrity on online. Her name is Katie. She goes by Katie Flute, and sometimes we have things together and on mm. YouTube. Um, but yeah, my website's heremiasvalin.com. Before we close, there are a few comments I'd like to make about my thoughts on this interview. The first is going to go back to that comment I made about Barbara talking about leveling up when you do an audition the right way. I actually want to play the clip from her interview so we can hear her exact words. I think I think you you as much as possible you are making your own luck and you are setting yourself up for success. The the huge incredible best preparation in your life for everything you want um is it not only ensures that you're likely to succeed, but if you don't succeed, then you have the satisfaction of having done that preparation, lifted yourself to a new higher level you never were before, and you'll never go back to that one. The people that don't take professional auditions anymore, I'm including myself, I'm, it's a little sad because if you, when you take them seriously and you do them the way you're supposed to, you are permanently better by every one you take. And you don't slide back to that level 16. Now I'm on level 17. That's something, sorry. One thing that inspires me about this discussion is that Jeremy is committed to a process that has made him a better practicer forever. It's allowed him to think about efficient and effective practice in a whole new way. This is why committing to a process matters. You walk away with information that you can use to improve. Another point I wanted to make was when he said, I realized that if I could practice anything, I could also practice feeling as if my practice was a performance. There's a very famous quote that I have seen attributed to Bud Herseth, the longtime principal trumpet of the Chicago Symphony Orchestra, that reads, never practice, always perform. I think Jeremias' realization is that quote put into practice. 
something like visualizing a stage and a hall and the music in front of you and maybe even an audience. Raise the stakes in your practice so that you've prepared in a way that will reflect your needs during a performance. The final point I would like to make is that when he talked about gaining confidence from the way he prepared for this audition. Now, I know confidence during performances and especially auditions is a big topic. Uh, His words shore up my belief that the majority of the confidence that you will be able to build is in the way that you prepare. Is your preparation logical? Is it helping you get better at the things that you actually need to get better at? Or are you just banging your head up against the wall, hoping that one day it will magically be better? Using the example set by Hermias, we can assume that even at the highest level, improvement in your process can lead to higher confidence in performance. I think that's going to be all for this episode. I would like to thank Jeremias Sergiani Velazquez for his thoughts and wisdom on audition preparation. If you enjoyed the episode and or learned something, consider leaving a rating and a review in iTunes. And don't forget to share on social media so others can enjoy it too. I would like to thank Brandon Yoakum for his work on mastering the podcast. And most of all, I'd like to thank you for listening. Stay strong, be kind to yourself, never stop growing, and we'll see you next time.